Hi, and welcome to the Order Lysine Podcast. My name is Jose, episode one. Um, so why is it called Ora Lysine? Well, Ora is just like saying like, oh my god, look, or, or like, what? What's going on? It's a, a phrase that came from where I'm from. I was born in Fresno, raised in Parlier, and that's just something that people around would say. You know, people my age, they would just say, Ura, you know, stuff like that. Uh, the lashing part is just basically saying, lying, you're lying. But they just extend it saying, lashing. Where that comes from, who the fuck knows. We just would use it, and that's what I basically use in my everyday life. I really don't use it with people that I really don't know. Only people that I know, and sometimes I'll just, like, whisper under my breath, like, oh, you know, stuff like that. Because I really don't want to go and explain it. You know, but that's where that comes from, and that's why I named it a podcast. Um, that. Um, I do plan to have a guest. I do plan to have, like, a co-host or two co-hosts, hoping to be my friends. Um, but we all live very busy lives. We all have different work schedules, so I'm not sure how that would work. And I'm not sure that they really want to do it. I hope they do, because talking to myself, it's pretty easy, because I do that normally. I talk to myself, at least in my head, um, all the time. But I feel like for me to really talk about what I want to talk about, then there should be a lot of back and forth, a lot of questions being asked, a lot of things I need to like be further explained or like to have a different take on it than just from what I'm telling you you know but that's just my opinion but you know who knows I might be wrong but let's let's hope it happens so a little bit about me 29 years old uh, living in Fresno this is my third third time living in Fresno I've lived in Fresno two times before First time for 11 months when I was in a halfway house. Second time I lived behind my bo- my old boss um, for almost two years, rent-free. And now I'm living in Fresno again. Um, uh, it's been a year since I've been here uh, in, a, in an apartment with my girlfriend. Me and my girlfriend have been together. It will be two, it's going to be two years in November. Um, and all those other two times that I lived in Fresno, I had to go back to my parents' house in Parlier to live, you know. But this this is the third time I moved out, and it's the one that I see, like, being for the long run. You know, living on your own, well, I live with my girlfriend, but living on your own um, kind of changes things. Like, you, you become more responsible. You think about a lot of different things other than the fact that, oh, shit, you know, my laundry's done and I'm being cooked for, stuff like that. I'm, you know, after living in the halfway house, I was made responsible because right there I had to make my own bed, I had to cook for myself, and right away I had to clean the dishes. We had chores. Every week we had a chore. You had to do it every day. Or, like, if, if I had to do the lawn, I had to do the lawn once a week. Um, but if I had to do the trash, I had to do the trash every night. So it just depends on what chores you had. So that really taught me a lot of responsibility. It's not like I was lazy or anything at my parents' house, but my mom did everything, you know, because she was a stay-at-home mom. So she did a lot. And when I came to live by myself, it, um, you know, it, it sure helped having that background in the halfway house because 
like I said, I had to cook and I had to wash my dishes. If you left your dishes there and they, they saw them, they would confiscate them. You know, because the house, they provide like pans and pots and shit, like plates, spoons and stuff like that. But if stuff was found in the sink, then the house manager would take them away and not give it back to us until I guess we we were like we'd be hate for a certain amount of time like stuff like that that he'll give them back to us but other than that so I had to you know wash my dishes and stuff like that um the reason why I was in a halfway house is because I had got my third DUI I got my second and third DUI six weeks apart and according to my lord the best course of action was to do a lot of things which was stop drinking um go to the halfway house do some outpatient care, and then start going to AA. So I started doing all that. He also recommended me get that the monitor on your ankle that detects alcohol, but I couldn't afford it at the time, so I just didn't do that. I did everything else. So I was there for 11 months, and in the beginning, it was scary because I'm like, I've never lived away from my house any, and ever, and like I didn't know how that was going to affect my life. I didn't know how that was going to affect my work schedule. You know, I didn't want to tell my bosses that, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing, this would happen. I didn't want to do that, and I just want, didn't want them to find out in any any way. You know, so moving in there, it was it was interesting, you know. I shared a room with three other guys. There's two beds that were singles, and there was a pair of bunk, it was a pair of bunk beds. So it was me on, I was on the bottom, and at the time, there was only two other people in the room, and they had been there for a while. Um... So after those two, they left, I got to get one of the single beds. And basically, I had that bed for like like nine months or like ten months. You know, but like after, I want to say like midway through, when I kind of accepted the fact that, you know, this is my life and things started to get better for me. Like I didn't have like a, I guess you could say I had a more positive outlook on life like things were going to get better and they started to they started to it was just i guess the way of thinking because i was still making the same amount of money when i went there to the point where i when i got out of there like i was making the same amount of money i wasn't making anymore and it just felt like i had towards the end like i had like oh i actually have money like i didn't have i wasn't like like damn i don't have any fucking money but it was just that positive outlook, like things are getting better and things are not as bad as they as you think. Because it really weren't, you know, I had to pay rent, like 100 bucks a month. And I had to pay my bills and stuff like that. So I did that. And, you know, once that thinking changed, things in my life just started to seem better. Like, that became my home. Like, yes, I had to sign out, in and out, when I left for any reason. And then I was able to go home on the weekends. And had to call them, like, when I was away on the weekends, had to call them. If you didn't, you have to write a paper on the topic that they chose. Um, but that was my home. After, like, halfway through, it became my home. And it, I was, like, living my life. I wasn't drinking because I was sober at the time. And I was just, like, you know, it became my home. And when I think about it, I'm, like, it's crazy to think the fact that you're in a room with four, with three other different guys. But that was, like your home like it just felt super normal at the time and that was life you know I was pretty invested in doing everything that I possibly could to get out of there and not go to jail because that was a big possibility of me going to jail because of the three DUIs you know obviously they're like oh you got a second one and like 
few weeks later you got another one, so, you know, that's what's going to happen. You know, I ended up getting a lawyer, and, you know, like I said earlier, that he suggested I do all that. Um, funny story about that, I remember I was getting a haircut once, and my barber was, you know, he was cutting my hair, and he was like, Abe, and everything, he was talking to somebody else, and he's like, he's about as a lawyer and stuff like that, but he beat some cases and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, that's cool, you know, he wasn't talking to me. So then he was like, hey, if you need a lawyer, you know, hit me up, I have a good one. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like, why the fuck am I going to need a lawyer? You know, a few months after that, it happened, and I was like, I texted him, and I said, never mind, because I was just like, kind of embarrassed. But then he called me, and he goes, hey, you go, son, you, go, you need a lawyer? I'm like, yeah. So then he told me who, who to contact and stuff like that, and, you know. And that guy, he was a very good lawyer. You know, we pushed the case back, like, almost every month. I ended up, in those 11 months, I went to court, like, seven times. And they were kept pushing, he kept pushing it back, pushing it back. The second time, the first time he went, I think, he pushed it back and he told them he wanted me to gain credit for each day that I was living at that halfway house. That's, like, if I was going to be, if I was serving in jail. Luckily... The first three times we went to court, it wasn't it wasn't the judge that was supposed to be my judge. It was he was on vacation, so he had um, replacements, and so I guess that seemed kind of easier to do that. And then my um, my lawyer would just told me he's like, so once the other judge comes back, um, he's gonna review it, you know, and see and see if that's what he wants to do. So when we went to court the fourth time, he told them, you know, we want the same stipulations as it's been going on for the last three months. And he said, and he said, yeah, that's fine. Um, and I asked my lawyer, I'm like, oh, he's okay with them, but you know, the judge's job is to look over your case file and see what's going on in the other the other times we've come. If he doesn't, that's you know, that's on him. But he agreed to it, so that's it's on paper now. And so I ended up going to court another three times, and eventually, well, I guess when I was going to be sentenced, I didn't even know I was going to be sentenced that day. Um, basically said, you're free to go. You know, he gave me five years probation. Got one year left. I'm off probation next year in April. Um, yeah, five years probation. Had to pay just one fine. Cause I, had, I had two tickets, so one fine was canceled. But in that... I got the five years probation, and then I had to go do eighteen months of a of the DUI class, which took me almost three years to do, just because I kept getting kicked out because I wouldn't go in December um, because I was busy with the work, and so uh, you miss three times in a row, then you get kicked out. You don't lose your the place where you're at, but you know you have to wait a while, and then you have to go back and resign. So that happened to me twice. So it took me three years to finish a year and a half program. Um, I think I ended up paying like 200 more bucks out of pocket because like after every year, like it went, like the pricing changed. Not because you kicked out, but like the pricing just changed like that with the, they were offering the program for. Yeah, but, but the halfway house was, was an experience. They didn't, they didn't. I only got, I would say, drug tested once, but I wasn't in there for drugs. Other people were. Um, I didn't 
I didn't drink at that time at all. I wanted to. There was one time where I went out for the weekend to my parents' house. And one of my former co-workers, he was at a bar in Sanger. And I went, showed up. My dumbass parks right in front of the bar. And at that time, I shouldn't have been driving either because I didn't have a license. And I had no permit, nothing. I was just driving dirty. Uh, so I and so I was like, come on, just have a beer. And I was going to have a beer. But then, like, right when I was, like, we were talking about it, I fucking remembered that I had to fucking call him, the guy, and tell him, oh, you know, everything's okay. I'm just here with my parents. And I fucked up by not calling them. So I called them the next day, and I just told them, hey, I'm sorry, you know. And I had to write a paper saying why I didn't call and stuff like that. Yeah, but that was the only time I was close to drinking a beer. You know, then, um, so I was, the the amount of time that I was sober, I was sober for 15 months. I wasn't say, I want to say it's like 15 months, 16 months, I was sober. And at that time, like, after I left back home and I was still not drinking, I thought being sober was the best thing for my life because I had lost weight, I had got in the best shape, running shape since high school, like, I just felt like I was on the verge of, you know, being better than I was then, and that's because I was running five days a week, and I wasn't drinking, so my body was fresh all the time, I would get enough sleep and stuff like that, and, you know, and when I got back to Parlier, I'm like, I'm gonna go back to live in Parlier, like, there's no meetings here, only a meeting in Spanish, so I decided to create my own meeting. And AA gives you the the ability to do that, you know. You go over there and file some paperwork, and they'll they'll let you give you the the pamphlets, give you like stuff, you know, so you can start your own meeting. So I wanted to start a meeting in Parlier, and that's what I did. I only had one official meeting uh, because after that it became a problem. So I went to go ask the Spanish group one day, like one of their business meetings, and I went to ask them if it was okay for me to. Um, to basically use their room as a place where I can have my meeting, you know, because they had it, they had their meetings, I think every night from 7 till 9, I think, or like 7 till 8.30, and so my meeting was from 5.30 or till 6.30, one hour, and I went over there and I asked them, hey, you know, can I borrow you guys' room, you know, I'll pay you guys, you know, um, so I can use it. And stuff like that. And they said, you know, they said, yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, you want to spread the word. Um, but in English. And I said, yeah. So I had my meeting. It went great. And so I had I went to the next business meeting. You know, to tell them. You know, I had my first meeting. It went great. I didn't make, there wasn't much money in the I can't remember what they call it, not the collection plate, but it's a collection plate, but they had like, I would say it's kind of like an offering, so like you could buy coffee and stuff like that, you know, for for the meetings and stuff like that. So I'd asked them, you know, I had my meeting and it went great, um, I liked it, people liked it, I just feel like I should be asking you guys how much you want me to pay, like monthly for using the, the room. And I'm only going to be using it four times a month because it was once a week. And they, there were some other people that weren't there in the original business meeting, like some old timer that basically they said like they weren't basically happy with me being there doing the meeting in English. 
and I couldn't wrap my head around why. I'm like, what's the difference between English and Spanish? Like, I'm going to be paying you for it and stuff like that. So basically, they wanted me, they wanted me to keep doing it for like the next month. But after that, I had a, between that time, I needed to find another, another spot to have it because they didn't want me there. Not all of them, only some didn't want me there. So at that point, I was just like, well, why don't you guys want me here? And they just, I just, I didn't understand it. I didn't really understand why. I'm like, what's the big difference? And I told them, you know what, this is not, I'm not going to be paying um, the monthly fee um, with what what I get from the offerings, you know. I'm going to be paying that out of pocket, you know, because I want to stay sober. So that means that I'm going to pay for this. This is the way that I'm going to help myself, my help myself stay sober. And I had to pay for it, and that's fine, you know, because at the time I did not want to drink. I wanted to stay sober. It felt good to have a year of sobriety. You know, and so they said, so I ended up just leaving. I was just like, you know, fuck it, screw it. I left. So then the following week, the there was a guy who called me and said, hey, I'm here at the clubhouse. Are we having a meeting today? I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even answer. He had left a voicemail. But basically, I just had canceled it because I said, you know, they don't want me there and I don't understand why. So probably like a month later. I still went to meetings for a while, but probably, but like towards the end of the month of that, I just was like, nah, there's no point. So slowly, slowly but surely, those those thoughts of drinking started to pop into my head again. Not all the time, just sporadically. You know, so I was like, well, what happened? I pick up here. So one day I had, it was my day off, I want to say it was like a Tuesday. I had gone to, I want to go run. I think I want to run at Woodward Park. And on the way home, I probably stopped to put gas. And I stopped at a store. Well, I went inside the store because I was putting gas. And so I, I went inside and I saw a beer that I liked. So I went inside and I bought two. And at that point, you're buying the beer. So you already know what you're going to drink. You know, so I got home and I put them in the fridge. I didn't drink them that day, so I think the next day I went to a run, and I got back home, and then I was home alone. My mom was at work, my brother was at school, I think, my dad was working, and I was just home, hanging out, you know, because of my day off. So then I opened up the beer, I poured it in a cup, and I sent a snap to my friend, and he was like, don't do it, <laughs> and I took a, I took a sip. And right away, I was like, what did I do? Like, that was not worth it. But five seconds after that, I was like, fuck it. I chugged it. And I was like, fuck, that feels good. So that little sip of alcohol caused something in my brain to be like, oh, here we go again. You're you're back to what you were before. Would I say that I'm an alcoholic? Hmm. No, I have alcoholic tendencies, but I'm not an alcoholic. An alcoholic would do anything for a drink. I wouldn't do anything for a drink, and then I have a lot of self-control. Now, it took that time of sobriety and everything that's happened to me to really get to the point where I have self-control, where I can buy a beer, 
take a sip. If I don't like it, I'll dump it. Or I'll go out to eat at a restaurant or go to a bar and I get a beer and I don't finish. I leave half of it. I can walk away. And like prior to I was to I was sober, I buying that beer was like, oh, have you bought it? You wasted money and you have to finish it. Or like anywhere I would have to finish the drink. I couldn't just leave it there. But now that's different. It all comes with being knowledgeable of what happened to me and what could happen to me in the future if I choose to not keep myself in check. Now I don't drink and drive. Partly because I don't think I can do it anymore. And because I know it's not right. I don't want to, the next time if I would to happen to me, I would go straight to jail and not get out. You know? And so I don't, I don't want really want to do that. I already caused a lot of damage to my own life and to my parents' life just by them worrying about me. You know? And I tell my brother, like, hey, don't do that shit. You don't want to go through what I went through. I spent a lot of money. I spent $8,000 on the lawyer. I had to pay him 5000 up front. I think I only had like 1000 on me. And then I had, then my brother had lent me 2000 My mom asked my brother for $2,000 to lend me. I didn't ask him. She asked him. And my brother gave him to her. And then the rest was like, I had to, with my checks, I had to just basically save it up and do all that, you know. And the other three were just in payments. And then the tickets... The ticket was two thousand. Then my the class the program was I think it was like eight hundred or five hundred something. I can't remember how much it was. And then when I was doing outpatient care, which was once a week, no, like twice a week, I had to pay ninety bucks each time that I went, or like each month I think no ninety bucks each month. And then. And the halfway house to rent was five hundred a month times eleven, so that's five thousand. You know, just a lot of money that I threw away. But oh well. You know, so back to when I started drinking again and you know, I didn't start getting drunk like right away and just a beer beer here a beer here, a beer there, and it just started like that and to say that I to I to say that I got to the point that I was before my DUIs was very close, and it became close when I became single, and I was a few months before I became single. At the time that I was living in the halfway house, I got a girlfriend, and we lived together for a year, and. After I became, after I started drinking, then we started having a lot more problems. You know, we butted heads before, but the drinking caused a lot more problems. Because she was sober. You know, she had uh, a year on me. So when I had a year, she had two years or three years. Um, and we met in the program and stuff like that. But so we were still sober. And so I had talked to her, like, hey, I might, I'm thinking about going back to drinking. And she said, like, I support you, just know what you're doing, and then that's what I did. And so, for sure, when I became single, you know, I started to drink a lot more. And But I wouldn't drink and drive, I would just 
drink in my in my in my little shack. Called the shack because there was a like a little room behind my old boss's house that I lived there for rent free for two years. It was just a made up. It wasn't a like a like in a big shop, like a big uh, like a steel building with the room built inside of it. It had AC and heater. Basically, it was super small. It was just my little kitchen, and then like a little tiny living room, which really wasn't a living room. And then the the bedroom area was big, so I lived there. And so I would get drunk there, you know, by myself, and just you know pass out. And I did see that I was like, oh, I'm drinking a lot and stuff like that. And you know, people would tell me that and stuff like that. But I was just like, well, I know what I'm doing. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm doing it at my house. I'm not leaving anywhere and have it under control. But did I really? Eh. So so. When I look back at it, I think at that time I knew that I I didn't have to drive anywhere, so I wouldn't. You know, at that time too I had a breathalyzer on my truck so I couldn't leave. So I guess that helped me too. So that helped me in that time to really be Be uh, be good, I guess, because if I did want to drive, I couldn't drive because my truck wouldn't start because my breath was small alcohol. That breath lines were small alcohol in my breath, you know, so I wasn't allowed to leave. So I I guess that trained me to not be able to leave. I don't have that shit on my truck now, but I don't do it. In, I don't do it now, you know, because I don't want to get in trouble. If I, w- if I wouldn't have started drinking again, would I have still been sober now? I'm, hmm, I, don't, I don't think I would have. I think eventually I would have started drinking. Because the only reason I really started drinking was because of the fact that those people in the AA meeting didn't want to let me have my meeting. So people say, I'd be like, well, you gave up too easy. You could have found another room. I'm like, no. Um, it kind of just showed me those two colors, like when they're like, when they didn't want me there, I'm like, it's supposed to be like a fellowship, family and stuff like that. Like you want other people to, to be sober and stuff like that. And they didn't want that. So I couldn't understand. It also comes probably from, you know, pride. You know, us Mexicans have a lot of, we're very prideful, especially men. Um, so... That's probably one of the reasons why. You know, no hard feelings now. Because, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm happy right now. Like, I haven't drank and it's going to be a month tomorrow. And that's just my personal choice. I'm just wanting to get back in shape. Lose some more weight. I've lost about 15 pounds. I started my new job. And that's just from eating less. And I'm actually, like, physically working at work. Like, sweating. I walk like about eight to ten miles a day there, and you know it's it's not hard labor. It's pretty easy once you get the the trucos and shit like that, uh, the manas. It it's pretty easy, but in the beginning, man, it was fucking. I was like, man, fuck this job. It's not worth the fucking pay to do this shit. You know, but now it's it's gotten easier. There's a lot of stuff that I don't like about it. It's just like there's there's things that I don't understand why they're done that way. But, you know, that's just that's just me. Who knows why they're done like that? And they try to explain it to me, but I'm just like, 
Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking hard talking to yourself. Like, how the fuck, what do I, what I continue to talk to myself about? You know, like, I, that's why I need somebody to do this with me back and forth, you know, ask me questions, stuff like that. Because I, you can only do so much by yourself. It's crazy. You know, um, 